turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. The Al Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by George Rodriguez on 930 AM, The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, 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 my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, on this beautiful Saturday, November 2nd. Yes, it's November already. Good night. Thanksgiving is right around the corner. <laughs> my gosh. And uh, would you believe that there are Christmas uh, ornaments that are already going up? Uh, uh, uh. Anyway, uh, folks, we've got a great show as usual for you today. We're going to be chatting the first part of the show. We're going to be chatting about local tyranny. Local tyranny, that means local governments that become tyrants, that become absolute despots, okay? In this case, we're going to be chatting with two gentlemen from two different or from two different communities. We're going to be chatting first with Mr. Nick Neeson from the city of Floresville, and uh, he's a resident of the city of Floresville, and in the city of Floresville, believe it or not, uh, like some third world uh, banana republic, has chosen to uh, to cancel elections in this this coming november this coming this coming week they've uh, they've decided that they are not going to hold uh, elections as poor per the uh, uh, the new uh, law in in texas that uh, requires that all law all, all elections all municipal county and state elections be held on the same day so that everything can be coordinated well apparently the folks in Floresville didn't think that that was convenient and it would confuse according to them it would confuse uh, their voters so they're not going to do it um, a lot of the Floresville residents, of course, are in uproar about it. Uh, then we're going to chat with Mr. Uh, Don Page from Gonzales, Texas. And Mr. Page is going to be chatting with us about election fraud, clear cases of election fraud and um, in their community. And again, my friends, these uh, voter fraud, election fraud issues, they occur right under our noses. And sometimes we don't even notice it. Quite often, my friends, we're so focused on what is happening in Washington, D.C. that we forget that the people that are in Washington, D.C. are direct products of us electing them at the local level. If we didn't elect them at the local level, they wouldn't be in Washington. So uh, that's, uh, you know, uh, we need to listen to these uh, stories very carefully today. The other thing, uh, the, the, the last part of our program will be Mr. Trevor Loudon, who is a very, very good friend of mine now. Uh, Mr. Loudon is a blogger. And uh, he is a, a, a nationally known uh, commentator. He's going to be talking to us about communists. Yes, communists among us here in Texas, right here in River City. So, uh, folks, stick around. Call your friends. Tell them that uh, we've got uh, a great show and uh, we want them to join us. Uh, uh, so, uh, without further ado, let's go to our first interview with Mr. Nick Neeson from Floresville, followed by Mr. Don Page from Gonzales, Texas. Howdy, 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 my friends. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And uh, we've got a special uh, segment that we want to do with uh, for you today. Um, this is, uh, I call it local tyranny, because um, throughout the nation, all over the country, particularly in small communities, well, in large communities, too. I mean, look at Baltimore. Um, we've got, uh, we've got what I call local tyranny. This uh, means that uh, local establishments have taken over and uh, they run uh, the the city hall or the county courthouse. They run uh, whatever politics and economics uh, for their benefit. They don't serve the public interest, but rather they serve their private interest. And uh, such a case is happening in the little bitty community of um, Floresville, Texas, right here south of San Antonio. The situation is this: the city of, of uh, the, the municipal government of um, Floresville has decided that they are going to cancel. Yes, that they are going to cancel 
elections uh, for this coming November. They have decided that uh, apparently it's not beneficial to uh, the government, to the tradition, uh, to the uh, establishment of, of Floresville. And um, the state uh, elections that are going to happen in November, uh, the first week of November in 2019, have been canceled or are going to be canceled, apparently, in Floresville. And um, Floresville instead will hold its municipal elections uh, in May, where uh, traditionally, when they traditionally have had them. This is uh, this tantamounts, I mean, my friends, to uh, really just, uh, you know, like a third world country deciding when they're going to have elections and when they're not. You know, we've seen many dictators just cancel elections. Well, we've got the same situation here in Floresville. So uh, I've gone out, I've reached out to uh, some folks to uh, interview them in Floresville. Uh, one of them being Mr. Nick Neeson and uh, Mr. Neeson. Uh, is going to chat with us, is going to explain to us what is going on in Floresville. All right, folks, once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio on KLUP 930 AM radio. And uh, we've got um, we've got Mr. Nick Neeson, who is a uh, Floresville resident. And as um, uh, some of you know, we've been following the story in uh, in Floresville regarding the Floresville City Council that has decided that they are going to uh, forego the uh, city elections in uh, November. And uh, Nick is another one of the residents or is a resident of Floresville. And we wanted to get him on and uh, get his take on this situation. Nick, welcome to the show. Hello. And tell us, uh, what, uh, what, what about this situation of them canceling uh, the, uh, the elections what do you think about it? Uh, why, why do you think they're doing it, and what's this all about? Well, I really believe that they're doing it for they can control the election and how many people show up. Every time we have an election that's held down to City Hall, we have four to five, 600 people vote. We have 3,200 registered voters in Floresville. When we have the election with the county, we have 2,200 show up. And uh, this way... They know that people do not like to go two times a year to vote. And they know that they will pick their people up to bring them in to vote. And so we have a four, five hundred people. And when we put somebody else up against the group that's in there now, it's like 300 to 200. They always win. And so when I was on council and we moved it to November and we moved it to the county, they screamed. And now they're able to move it back. Which, which is, uh, you know, first of all, it's outrageous that a uh, that a city government would cancel. First of all, would cancel an election because I mean that's like being in the third world. That's like you know something that dictators in Chile or Argentina would do. So that's number one. But number two, that um, they seem to be successfully getting away with it. So what do you guys plan to do to challenge that? Well, we've contacted the state and the city, the state election office, and the state election office is on our side. They say it's totally against the law. But on the state side, there is no punishment ever attached to what they are doing. So the state doesn't want to get into it. So the state advised us to do nothing in November because they pushed the election saying no. Two days before we could do anything, we couldn't even get a mandamus because we had we had to have three days to do it, and they just let us do it in two. So the state said, go ahead, let them have their election in May, and if they have the election, file a lawsuit against them. The state will then come in and say it's basically an illegal election. And where does it go from there? We don't know. I mean, it's, it, it, so in other words... The election for the city in May, in, in this coming November, is um, is going to be canceled, and you're going to have to wait until they hold their illegal election in May. Correct. Correct. And then at that point, you'll be able to do something about it because they'll, you, it, it will be an illegal election. Amazing, incredible. Yeah, because the state, and I forget what year. I think it was like 2012 or 14. Said that they wanted to combine all elections in November. And I had one councilman telling me right to my face, he doesn't care how his Friendswood followers vote 
is a vote for the city. He doesn't want them to vote federal. He won't even help them vote federal or state. He'll just help them vote city. So it's real easy for them to get their three to 500 people and bring them to the city city and help them vote. Amazing. Good night. All right. So um, then uh, I, I guess we just have to wait until the lawsuit. Are, are there very many um, uh, residents, uh, citizens of Floresville, of the city, that are upset about this? Well, honestly, um, there's a lot more than I thought. Uh, I know there's about 40 of us that talk about it and doing something. Then we had a friend that went to the American Legion, and the American Legion, for the most part, thought, after they read the article that our county attorney put, Tom Caldwell put in, explaining everything, these people got outrageous and said, well, why are we doing, why are you letting them get away with it? <laughs> oh, yeah, well, really. We can't do nothing against it because when the state put this law in, they never attached a punishment to it. Ah. The state said, only way you can do it is we got to deem it illegal, then we will take it to the attorney general. So we're trapped as citizens, and they know that they can take the majority of the rights away from us. And almost all the new population is moving in Floresville. Really don't pay attention, except they're getting upset every year. Our taxes keep going up. Every year they're applying for new grants, new bonds, and they don't realize every time they get a grant, the city's got to pay a portion of it, and the city's already in debt, $27 million, and we don't know what FEDC has attached to it. And uh, all the only thing we got left to do to start paying bills is lay off people. Wow. I disagree with laying off citizens. I mean, our employees at the city work hard, and they don't pay them a f- nearly as much as what San Antonio does. You got and, uh, That's the only people that they can lay off. Yep. Well, uh, Nick, tell the folks how they can follow uh, up uh, any stories or any uh, follow up on the story. Well, we're putting together a Facebook page, and it's Vote Now Floresville. Gotcha. And, uh, that should be released real soon. We're having a meeting this weekend, and we hope to have that released. And if not, on my Facebook page, it's Nick Nissen. Floresville, and they'll see me standing in front of two cars, and I keep up with a lot of stuff on that. You got it. Nick, thank you very, very much for coming on the show, and uh, we certainly will keep the audience and everyone informed about what's happening in Little Old Floresville. Thank you. Thank you, and we appreciate your support. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. And we have uh, a special guest with us, uh, Mr. Don Page, who is the executive director of the Gonzales County Republican Party, as well as uh, he is involved uh, with uh, the uh, Taxpayers Association in Gonzales County. And uh, we wanted to get um, we wanted to get our friend Don on the show because we've been chatting about the issue of voter fraud and election fraud, uh, election problems. And uh, Don has documented some very, very strong evidence in Gonzales County and in the city of Gonzales. So, uh, Don, welcome to the show. Tell us what is going on with voter fraud and election fraud in Gonzales. Well, first of all, thank you, George, for bringing me on the show. Um, it's always a pleasure to get to talk with you and uh, talk with you about how we as citizens at time need to govern our government when our government isn't doing what's best for the citizens. Um, to give you a snippet of what's been happening out here in Gonzales, we just had a mayoral election this past May, and some of the things that I have found are pretty disturbing when you start to dive into um, what has happened to keep our current mayor in office. Um, So we'll just uh, go on here. We have documentation where our mayor, who has been with us these past three years, and this will be her second time to run, she was uncontested in her first run, which made it very easy for her to win. But there was a strong candidate that was going against her during this election, and so her tactics changed. 
our mayor during early voting on average spent an hour and a half to two hours every night inside of city hall now these are closed doors so of course guys like myself who drive by and check out can't see what's happening behind closed doors however um there are some city employees who are ready and willing to testify at this point that they saw the mayor our city manager and our city secretary inside the city secretary's office with the ballot boxes now by law those ballot boxes must be kept in a secured location aka a safe that our city has but these voter boxes were left inside the city secretary's office who was running the, the early voting election wow so ha- yeah yeah it's that's disturbing i know <laughs> and um one employee actually described it when she walked in to the office and saw them standing there they all looked like cats with feathers in their mouths going i didn't eat the canary and they quickly dispersed and went on the different directions Oh my gosh. Uh, and, and, you know, this kind of situation um, <clears throat> apparently goes on in many, many smaller communities. It's just not reported. How did you find out? How did you find out about this? I mean, how did you stumble onto it or what happened well, to get um, you tuned you know, into it? As an activist here in Gonzales, um, you know, we've, we've had some run-ins with this mayor regarding her approach to raising our city property taxes. Um, from 18 and a half cents to 35 and a half cents over the last three years. Well, that's a good hike. And, yeah, <laughs> very good hike. And, you know, of course, our appraisal values went up as well. So we are paying double the, uh, our taxes in three years. Um, we've watched how she's bully politicked her way through kicking out certain people that opposed her and bringing in third-party representation to support her, including a law firm that has gone from costing our city 65000 a year with a city attorney to now over 300000 this past year. My gosh. Yeah, so um, she, does, she does well in bully politics. Um, but with that being said, you know, some really disturbing things that I've done, I have did some recordings. I shared one with you in a, in a previous uh, conversation regarding this, this election where a man totally uh, inside his facilities to go in and vote on his own was brought in and forced to vote inside the vehicle, so that way some of her supporters could watch him, watch the way he voted. Oh my gosh! Um, and make and uh, sit in the car with him. I had another individual, and I have the recording of that as well. So the, the voting the voting did not take place. The vote the, the 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 ballot was not cast in the booth, but rather outside in a car. Yeah, curbside curbside service, right? Oh my Although gosh! The guy could walk in on his own. Uh, second gentleman was in the same same situation. Um, but in fact, he forgot his reading glasses and couldn't read the ballot. So the city secretary told him, mark right here for Connie Kassir. And then once he did that, she took the ballot away. <laughs> My God. But he never even got to vote for any of the charter items that were on this for city charter changes. In fact, um, just as a little statistic around that, uh, we had one person that was running for mayor. He had 70 votes. And of those 70 votes, three people didn't vote for charter items. Wow. Another individual who had 490 votes and five people didn't vote for charter items. Our mayor who had uh, um, 560 votes ended up having 89 people that didn't vote for charter items. And I'm, and I, I deal with a lot of statistics and uh, that to me is very alarming that there were so many people that voted just for mayor and nothing else. And uh, so you can see just it. There's no hard, hard evidence of the tampering at the ballot booth, but it, there's a very strong, it smells like fire, right? It's kind of one of those things if it waddles like a duck, quacks like a duck, chances are you're dealing with a duck. And so I, on May 14th, an opens records request through an attorney to get some simple information. I asked him for number of ballots purchased with proof of purchase and for the number of ballots that were spoiled with proof 
I asked them for the number of ballots voided and the reason for those voids. Also offered a request the number of blank ballots remaining because math is pretty simple. Math doesn't lie. And those two numbers should add up at right. the end of the day to prove that there was no stuffing of the ballot box or tampering of the ballot box. We've got today. Yeah, go ahead. October 29th, they have refused to give me that information. Now, when you say they, who is they? Um, the city attorney and the city secretary. So they have refused. The city has refused to cooperate. Has refused to cooperate with this information, with this opens records request. Gotcha. And these are not things that violate anybody's personal privacy or anything. Yeah, right. No, no social security is on the number of ballot boxes or number of ballots purchased, but they refuse to give me that information. I also asked for the number of early for the early voting information as well they've refused to give me that and then one other caveat that i asked for is the number of blank logs that were purchased and how many are remaining because i have three separate people who stated that they voted in this election but their names are not on the log wow so what what needs to happen don what do you think needs to happen with this besides uh an investigation, but an investigation by whom and how and when and where? Well, I think I think it starts with somebody like a Keith Ingram, right? The the director of a, the elections division of the Secretary of State. Yes. And then it needs to go into the hands of the AG's office, and we need to we need to jump on board and and really investigate because the bottom line to this is, if those numbers match, all the speculation dies, right? Right. My, and my thing is, if you did nothing wrong, then what are you afraid of? Information right away and squash any any of the of the conversation going around in the rumor mill. Yeah, I, I, I've heard the saying, "Avoid the very appearance of evil," and yes. it seems like they would want to do that. The Apostle Paul said, "It's not the evil itself; it's the appearance of evil that we have to avoid." Right. And and our mayor, who who says that she's a strong Christian woman and holds up the values of transparency and integrity, you would think would actually say, you know what, I want to be transparent. Here's all the information, guys. I did nothing wrong. But she refuses to do that. And she and she continually blockades anybody who tries to get that type of information. That's really sad. It is it is it is it is disheartening that we're in this situation that, you know, six months later I'm sorry, five months later, almost six months later, five and a half months later, I still can't get a simple purchase order. Let me ask you real quick. What about what about the local media? What about um, coverage by the local newspaper or radio stations or whoever? whoever? What about coverage on this issue uh, by the local media? Well, it's, you know, that's a funny thing. You know, you grab our local newspaper and you go into the classified section. And this is something that happens, you know, especially in rural towns. The paper of record, very, very, um, it's very unlikely that the paper of record is ever going to say anything against the city that supports it, right? Wow. Because that's the power that small, small local municipalities have, is that they're not required to put in their, their information in the local paper. They can choose a surrounding city's paper to run their, their advertisements through. Wow. So... so so because of that, you know, our local paper like the Gonzales Inquirer, they'll lose half of their advertising dollars. They'll shut down because they can't afford to print the paper. So they got to play ball with the with the power that be, huh? You have to, right? You have to you have to lie in bed no matter how bad that bed is. How sad. And and it is and it takes, you know, grassroots groups like the Gonzales Taxpayer Association it takes individuals like Rob Brown, who ran against Connie in this last election and continues to support on a grassroots level growth in Gonzales. It takes guys like um, Lorenzo Hernandez, who's who's here locally, Matt Smith, who's here locally, that are trying to trying to educate and support um, proper government. But, you know, at the same time, it's hard for individuals to see past that. And, you know, when a, when a municipality has a way to control the paper, they control the narrative. Wow. Right? 
and and they you know some people some of the people that you mentioned might have to be careful because of uh, economic uh, not to mention political retaliation and worse it's, it's happening right now we have we have a car sh- um, this is a little piece of extra news here we have a car show called hot rod and hatters that moved from lockhart to gonzalez last year the mayor this weekend squashed it because it has rob brown's name on it oh wow and so this is a car show that for a business like myself i own a hotel here in downtown it would be an economic boom yeah. six thousand dollars that weekend wow incredible revenue because the mayor doesn't want to see her opponent name on an event wow and so it's it's bully retaliation by our our local mayor and you know it's it's sad that businesses like mine and small business owners around our our main street suffer at the hands of one individual you got it don we're going to have to conclude here but um uh, we will keep following you. We've been talking with Don Page from Gonzales, uh, Texas, and uh, we uh, want to keep uh, abreast of what is going on. We'll get you back on the show in another few weeks and find out what uh, what's going on in, in, uh, with voter fraud and election fraud there. Hey, man, I thank you for giving me a time to be on your show, and uh, I will keep you posted as things, as things uh, progress. You got it, buddy. Thank you very much. Keep up the, keep up the fight, buddy. Thank you for your fight for us as well. You got it. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer, in San Antonio, Texas. And we have a very special guest with us, uh, Mr. Trevor Loudon. And uh, Trevor is uh, a New Zealander who has become a, a, a conservative icon here in, here in uh, uh, our country. And I wanted to reach out to Trevor because, uh, well, first of all, he's become a very good friend. But then secondly, Trevor knows uh, a lot about uh, what's happening with politics, particularly at a local level. And uh, just like the saying says, sometimes you can't see the forest because of the trees for us here locally in, in Texas. Uh, I wanted him to to tell us what he sees from a distance as far as as far as what's happening in Texas with politics because we've got a big target on our back. Trevor, th- thank you for being on the show. Welcome. Talk to us. What do you see as far as Texas politics happening? Well, you're 100 percent right about the big target on your back. Um, so the left is pouring huge resources into Texas because if they can turn Texas blue. If you add the Electoral College votes from Texas to the Electoral College votes of California, the two most popular states in the union, it becomes impossible then for for the Republicans or anyone else to ever beat the Democrat majority. It becomes effectively a one-party state. So the left are pouring huge resources into Texas, um, huge amounts of money. Um, They're targeting... You know, um, district attorney races, county commission races, school board races, and they're stacking them full of leftists. And then they're doing massive voter registration drives as well amongst the uh, black and Latino populations of, you know, San Antonio and Austin and Houston and Dallas and El Paso. You know, areas where the people lean very Democrat but don't normally vote in big numbers. That's where they're putting all of their resources, and they're having big success. They are—they got a couple of uh, congressional seats last time, many, uh, many local seats, and they're trying to flip Texas by 2020 or 2022 or 2024 at the latest, turn Texas blue. So it's a—it's a very serious situation. It's you know sometimes like I said we it, we see things happening here locally but we sometimes just don't appreciate it at at, at a national level. For example, we've got uh, you know this announcement that just came out uh, where San Antonio is now uh, classified as one of the most dangerous cities in Texas. We were just classified as one of the poorest in the nation recently. And yet, uh, you know, the uh, socialist agenda, I mean, that's the only way that I can term it, the socialist agenda of San Antonio and uh, uh, other large communities like, uh, like Houston, like Austin, it continues to roll along. Uh, what do we need to do? 
to wake people up. The conservatives, first of all, need to wake up. You know, they, they, a lot of cons- you know, they should have got a huge shock how close Beto O'Rourke came to Ted Cruz in, in, in 28, uh, 2016. Well, John Cornyn is facing an even bigger threat this time with uh, Christina Sinsun, who's a hardcore, very deeply socialist radical who's a lot more charismatic than Beto O'Rourke. And, uh, you know, they, they, the conservatives cannot take this for granted. They do not seem to understand that Texas is being heavily targeted by the left-wing billionaires, you know, Soros and um, Tom Steyer and Stephen Phillips out of San Francisco. And they're working through Battleground Texas and Texas Organizing Project. They're working with the local communists on the ground. And I'm seriously talking communists. I'm talking Communist Party USA, Democratic Socialists of America, Liberation Road, who are running massive voter registration drives all across Texas right right now, and they are aiming to flip local body seats, county commission seats, right up to the Senate, right up to presidential races. So Texas has only got a couple of election cycles before it's all over, unless the conservatives wake up and get their base out. Yeah, we had uh, here in San Antonio, we had a uh, a turnout, believe it or not, of fourteen uh, percent total registered voters, and we lost, which means that we had, uh, in my opinion, less than seven percent show up, you know, to, uh, to 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 the polls, and that was a, a local municipal election. Yeah, we used to have a very conservative DA and in, 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 uh, district attorney in San Antonio, and he was a Democrat, but he was very conservative, very law and order. Now you've got Gonzalez in there, put in there by Soros and his friends, and that he's doing what DAs are doing all over the country. They're stopping prosecuting low-level crime, shoplifting, vagrancy, homelessness, um, uh, marijuana use, etc. And this is the opposite of Giuliani's, you know, broken window policy in New York. You know, when Giuliani came into New York to clean it up, started prosecuting even the lowest level crimes and and new york turned around while these left-wing da's are doing exactly the opposite they want more homelessness they want more um, vacancy they want all of these things because this is going to destroy conservative businesses destroy the conservative voting base bring more deadbeats into the city uh, who then can be rounded up at election time to vote for them um, so, and, and right now in, in Travis County, the Democratic Socialists of America, which has a thousand members in that city, is backing Joe Garza for district attorney and Dominic Salvera for county attorney. So they're aiming to do the same thing to Austin. They're doing the same thing to Houston. So the, the Republican and conservative base better wake up real quick um, before they're swamped. I, you know, we saw this tragedy, <laughs> this this unfold in uh, nearby San Marcos, uh, uh, the city of San Marcos nearby here between San Antonio and Austin, where, uh, you know, they used the students to get out and vote. And uh, the little community has just become super liberal, super liberal. Well, that's right. It's a college community, same as College Station. Where, wherever they've got, wherever they've got a university base like, like Austin and and they've got suburbs that are not doing too well, you know, and there's a few of those in, obviously in San Antonio, the university left goes out and enrolls thousands of people in the barrios and poorer suburbs and gets them to vote. People who wouldn't normally vote, you know, they, they would normally vote in very low numbers. And the conservative base, which thinks it's got it all in hand, just stays home, and they lose it. They're losing their towns. Now you lose San Marcos, and that's that's a tragedy for the people in San Marcos. But if you lose, if you lose uh, Dallas and Houston and all of the others, that's going to be a tragedy for the whole state and America as well. Yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, it, it is really, really a, a frightening to those of us that are watching it. It's very, very frightening. Trevor, tell us tell us about how you you uh, started studying all of this, uh, uh, observing all of this that's happening to us now. <laughs> yeah, well, look, it started back in New Zealand, um, and I 
you know, in 1984, we elected a socialist Labour government which, which banned nuclear warships from our harbours. And that destroyed the Australia-United States, um, Australia, New Zealand-United States military alliance, ANZUS. And so I was pretty uh, upset about that, and I did a lot of research on the left. And I um, met up with a guy who had infiltrated the New Zealand Communist Party for our security services, like our, our FBI. He was a government spy inside the Communists. And he was sent to Moscow to train in 1983 in a school with 6,000 people from all over the world. And that's where New Zealand's anti-nuclear legislation was planned. It was organized from Moscow. And what he taught me is basically anything that comes out of the left, things that come out of the Democratic Party, actually come out of the communist movement first. The communists come up with a policy they make it labor union policy where they control all the labor unions and the unions make it democrat policy and that's how they're able to take over uh, small numbers of communists are able to take over whole cities you know the hard left has been running san antonio for, for 30 or 40 years now that's right you know, since, since the days of uh, henry cisneros uh, M- mrs castro you know yeah. julian and Oakin's mother rosie she worked with the Communist Party. She worked with La Raza Unita Party. And, uh, you know, the Communist Party's been strong in San Antonio since the Pecan Shallow Strike of 1928, you know, the Emma Yep. Um, so, you know, they've got a very deep base in San Antonio. They've got a good base in Austin through the uh, universities in Austin. And that's uh, turned it into San Francisco East. And now they're using the black and Latino populations of Houston and Dallas to take those districts blue as well. So they're not far away from achieving that. And uh, when, once that happens, the whole state goes blue. Yeah. And you will be you will be California East. Oh, it, it is really really frightening. Thank you very much for taking time to be with us, uh, Trevor. I got to get you back on again. Uh, sometime soon so we can talk a little bit more about illegal immigration because I know you've got a lot to say about that. And here we are right at the front lines here in San Antonio. Yeah, yeah, it's the left's number one weapon. So, look, happy to come on any time because, look, Texas is very dear to my heart. I've done a lot of research into San Antonio and Austin, and and uh, you should be conservative. You should be deep red, and, and, and you're going purple. Yeah. That's, that's, that's got to be stopped. It's frightening. Once again, my friends, we've been talking with uh, Mr. Trevor Loudon, and uh, author and blogger and uh, and speaker and, and a great man. Trevor, tell the folks how they can uh, follow you or where they can uh, find more about uh, uh, your writings and your speeches. Yeah, look, my daily blog is trevorloudon.com. Loudon is L-O-U-D-O-N, so just trevorloudon.com. I also have a website called keywiki.org. K-E-Y-W-I-K-I dot org. And that's got over 124,000 files on it of leftists, communists, socialists. So you type, go to there, put in Julian Castro, Oakin Castro, Rosie Castro, and a whole bunch of your city councillors, your local representatives, and you will find many of them have communist backgrounds, many. So I think most San Antonians would be quite shocked how deep the penetration is of their city. Oh, gosh, I guess. Thank you very much once again. Hello, El Conservador listeners. If you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez El Conservador and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you're interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning.
Howdy, howdy, howdy once again, my friends. Welcome back. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. All right, let's uh, conclude our program today with um, a little bit of uh, news items and commentary. First of all, um, in, in, you know, we keep having problems with illegal alien crime. We've had um, some we've had some some uh, angel moms on radio on our show. We've had some sheriffs on our show. We've had some police officers on our show all talking about the problems and the complications that arise whenever uh, illegal aliens are uh, commit crimes and uh, how sometimes politicians are shielding them. Absolutely shielding them. Well, here goes another story regarding this in Las Vegas, the Las Vegas uh, Metropolitan Police Department announced this past Wednesday that uh, they're no longer there. They are not going to detain immigrants as the uh, news, as the local news puts it. Of course, they never call them illegal aliens, Uh, that they're no longer going to detain uh, for federal hold on federal immigration holds. It's it's outrageous, my friends. It's absolutely outrageous. The decision by the uh, Las Vegas Police Department comes after a California court ruled that ICE detainers uh, are not legal uh, where there is no state statute authorizing uh, civil immigration uh, arrests. In other words, if the state doesn't have uh, any uh, a- any ties to federal ICE uh, in holding people or in detaining people, then the then the local jurisdiction doesn't have to do anything. Never mind, you know, the federal aspects of it. Okay. So uh, California is uh, influencing state. California law is influencing Nevada, uh, local uh, Las Vegas law. So uh, the sheriff has announced that he's no longer going to cooperate. Sheriff Joe Lombardo uh, from uh, uh, from from the county uh, from Clark County uh, has uh, has directed also has directed his uh, officers to stop placing immigration holds on uh, on illegal aliens so it's both the county and the city uh there in uh, in the las vegas area you know this is it's very very dangerous how dangerous well let me let me give you another example um in uh, in in louisiana jefferson parish louisiana marvin torres ramirez a good irish name uh, marvin torres ramirez was uh, arrested uh in in april uh, 2017 in, in uh, uh, Jefferson Parish for an outstanding warrant uh, for felony indecency liberties with ch- with a child. In other words, for molesting a child. However, however, uh, in Buncombe County, uh, North Carolina, they had released Torres, uh, and uh, now the uh, Buncombe County Sheriff claimed that uh, they they had held him for two years pending his uh, hearing. And nobody had ever picked him up. Nobody picked him up. So uh, they had held him for ICE. Nobody picked him up. And so they they went ahead and and released him. Now, Torres was taken into custody in Buncombe County in May 2017, along with uh, and and ICE had lodged an immigration detainer against him. However, the problem when he's 17 to to now, uh, there had not been any kind of of movement to uh, have his trial taken care of. So finally, finally, in May, or October rather, in October, uh, this, this, uh, on the 28th, uh, Judge Thornburg uh, convicted, finally had a trial and convicted him and with, these, uh, in, with the indecent liberties with a minor, and uh, then released him na- the next day, all right, because he had already served two years. Can you imagine? Okay, all right. They, uh, you know, they picked him up, again, they picked him up in... in, in uh, in in uh, Jefferson Parish, they transferred him to to uh, uh, to North Carolina, where he lived. In North Carolina, they held him for two years, pending his judge his uh, trial. His trial occurred two years later. The judge claimed, well, he, since he's been in jail for tw- for two years, he served his time and released him. Ah, my friends, what about the um, the uh, ice ice detention? What about what about the detainer? Well, forget the detainer. And again, now, now the uh, the uh, sheriff in in uh, in, in uh, Buncombe County, North Carolina, is claiming, well, it was a mistake, and it was uh, this, it was the fault of ICE for not picking him up, et cetera, et cetera. My friends, 
this is what happens. This is what happens. This is the kind of individual that gets released into our community when our law enforcement folks, A, don't coordinate with one another, and B, of course, when they play politics. Now, uh, another uh, item that popped up this past week was uh, how uh, there is a mounting public relations campaign by the DACA, by the uh, Dreamers, by pro-DACA Dreamer people uh, that, uh, you know, that uh, the Supreme Court has got to uh, rule in their favor because there is a the Supreme Court hearing regarding whether or not uh, President Trump had the right to terminate uh, DACA, whether or not um, uh, he really had the right to do that. And uh, that Supreme Court case is going to be coming up pretty soon. Well, here's the situation. Uh, prior to it being heard by the Supreme Court, of course, there is a huge public relations lobbying effort that's being mounted by the pro-DACA people, by the Dreamers, et cetera, et cetera. One of these uh, uh, articles that popped up this past week uh, has to do with the idea that uh, dra- the DACA aliens make uh, communities safer. Okay. All right. All right. Let's let's talk about that. Okay. Let's talk about that. Three um, three individuals wrote that article. I mean, apparently one can't one can't think alone by themselves and justify it. It uh, required um, the uh, and here comes another sheriff, uh, Wa- uh, Wash- Washtenaw County in uh, in, um, in Wisconsin, uh, Jerry Clayton, uh, Nueces County. That's here in Texas, uh, in, in Corpus Christi, Nor- Nueces County District Attorney Mark Gonzalez and former uh, federal prosecutor Miriam uh, Krinsky. Uh, they wrote the article about the, dream- the Dreamers and they claim that they make the Dreamers actually make communities, American communities safer. OK, now all of them are Democrats. All of them are Democrats. OK. And uh, they use the, the typical uh, the typical uh, arguments uh, of uh, these dreamers being, uh, you know, outstanding individuals, but they completely forget a, a couple of things. First of all, they ignore the fact that they never use the term le- illegal or undocumented in referring to these folks. They just talk about them as immigrants. Okay, convenient, convenient. They also claim that there's a uh, that there's an erosion of immigrant protections. Okay, and again. Immigrant protections, no, there's no erosion of immigrant protections. There's an erosion of protections against ele- uh, of uh, protections of illegal aliens. Yes, I would say that there are, and I wouldn't say that they're protect that they're er- it's an erosion. I would say that there's finally some enforcement. Uh, and they also claim that there's efforts to entangle localities in immigration uh, in immigration law enforcement. Again, my friends, no, no, that's not the case. The case is that local law enforcement should be supporting, should be supporting people who are in the United States illegally. <clears throat> okay. Illegally. Let me use that term again. It, it is called illegally. That means it's against the law. The situation that we've got, my friends, with DACA, with dreamers, first of all, they're not kids anymore. These are adults. Secondly, it is not, I mean, if you're going to excuse people arriving and coming into the United States based on age, you're going to get more of it. If you excuse it, you're going to get more of it. Thus, we have had a torrent of children, minors being brought across the border because it's being rewarded, because it's being excused. If we're going, an illegal alien is an illegal alien, whether they are one day old or whether they are 100 years old, they are an illegal alien. And if you're going to stop illegal immigration, you have to use the same law across the board for all of them. When, and then when people say, well, it's not their fault, they're just ch- children being brought across. Well, it's not the fault of the taxpayer either, of the citizen. The people that should be held responsible along with the illegal alien is the illegal alien that brought them across. The parent, the adult, whoever it was that brought them across should be prosecuted. And if they're illegally in the United States, deported as well. But until we have until we have a set rule that affects everyone, regardless of age and condition, Again, because now now one of the things that's being used uh, as an excuse is uh, that they're LGBT 
or that they're it's that they're uh, uh, that they are uh, infirmed that they are sick. Well, again, my friends, again, if you start rewarding, if you start excusing one group, you're going to get more of that. You're going to get more. It's best to hold the line and say no. No one gets in if you are illegally, if you are entering illegally. I would go a step further. I would go as far as to say that anybody that enters illegally should be banned from ever being a citizen, from ever qualifying for a citizen. That should be the punishment. Because then, then there is, you know, then there is a fear for entering illegally because there's an actual punishment. As it is right now, all you are is just deported and you come back. And that's the end of it. And you keep coming back. You keep coming back. But if you, if you tell folks, no, you're not coming in, you can't come in. Because if you do come in illegally, then you're going to lose every, every, every chance of ever becoming a, a, a citizen or residing in the United States legally. Then there would be a, 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 a fear of an actual real punishment. My friends, we've got to do, we've got to stop punishment. Uh, pu- we've got to stop rewarding. As I have said many times, we have got to stop rewarding and excusing illegal immigration. We excuse it because of this and because of that. And then on top of that, we reward it by allowing them to stay and then forgetting that they're here. My friends, we can no longer do that. We have over 30,000 illegal, 30 million illegal aliens in the United States. Over, I would say, 50 million of them. I mean, just look around. And they are not integrating, they are not becoming citizens of the United States. That's another thing that worries me. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, giving you my thoughts, my commentaries, uh, my, my care. What I care about is my country. What I care about is the Constitution of the United States. I care about the rule of law. So, until next time, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio. Thank you for being with us. Tell your friends about it, about our show. Support us. Until next time, keep the fire of liberty and freedom burning.